Welcome to this week's episode of Dangerous to Go Alone. I'm Jay Ray, and I had an entire piece of chicken hanging from my mouth in front of a Broadway actor. <laughs> I'm Amanda, and I am wearing purple lipstick. Or I was wearing purple lipstick. Yeah, you're not wearing purple lipstick I've now. I've taken it off, I'm sorry. I just lied to yep. all of you. Yep. Oh, you millions of listeners. Sack of shit you are. <laughs> I am. Um, so, big stuff going on this week. Big stuff. Spacious stuff. Intergalactic stuff. Intergalactic stuff. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 stuff. Yeah. Uh, we saw it. We did. It with was... our eyeballs. <laughs> nah, I saw it with my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Sorry, we started off rough. This is a, <laughs> we had some a, technical difficulties. We did. So there's high tension in the room, um, and the dog wants to walk right now. Yeah. So we're doing great. I hope you guys love our dog so much. Well, we love her. We do. She's just. But we, she just doesn't get credit. It'd be super on the good if she could just sit in one place. That's what it is. Um, so we saw Guardians of the Galaxy two. We actually saw it opening weekend. Uh, but this is coming out a little bit later. We're going to do a full kind of spoiler chit-chat about it. We were actually hoping to watch the first one again as a refresher course, but... Um, but Amazon didn't. fucking hates us. Yeah, Amazon's been, you know... It's not, so the, weird lately. I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's not get off track here, but fuck Amazon. So um, so what did you think about it? I really liked it. I thought it was really good, and I thought it was really um, in line with the first one. They're very similar in their own way. Too much so? To a detriment? Or you're okay with it? Well, I'll say to a detriment insofar as I think it made this one less good than the first one because it's not as, like, revolutionary, kind of. That's a strong word. But But it's not hitting those original points, right? Yeah, yeah, because it's just hitting the same notes as the first one did. Right. So I guess that makes it less good. But, like, the first one was good. Right. So this one was also good. Right. You know what I mean? Um, So not to, like, totally go off track immediately... Oh, yeah, let's go off track immediately. <laughs> but some people, well, I personally, I felt, and I think it was a, now a cat's taking a shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Podcasting magic. Oh, my God. We've got too many animals. <laughs> it's been said that Force Awakens is basically a new hope. Yeah, but it's a new hope, like, 40 years from a new hope. Right. As so opposed to, like, okay. three, four years later, right? Yeah. Yeah, and like it's, and it's, you're still talking, like that's fair. That's a fair thing to say right. about Force Awakens, but you're also still, ta- at least you're talking about different characters and different locations and different, like all this stuff. Like right. Guardians is the same people doing the same kind of stuff. Right. Give or take. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what's, so what, what's the same specifically in your brain? You're watching it. The plots, the plots unfolding in front of your butthole. Um, what? Yeah, I mean, I guess the really big difference is not to completely not answer your question. Yeah, to go the this other way. This is my, uh, yeah. wait, political. This yeah. is my Kellyanne okay. Conway moment. Um, but uh, the, what makes it really different is it isn't the like first coming together of this crew. Now this crew works together, right? right. So from the beginning we have that. So we don't have that whole, not like getting to know you bit, but like. You know, right? The the gang forms. We just have the gang, right? So um, because of that, um, I guess because I was gonna say, I just feel like the vibes are really similar hmm. because it's still in the end about like this group of people working together to accomplish this thing. Um, but this time, you know, they have their own conflicts or whatever internal conflicts amongst them or whatever they have been flaws. like brewing between the movies as opposed to right. before they because were like, like i don't know you yeah right. i don't know you how do we work together now that we have to work together so right um so yeah so i guess that's kind of the difference but ultimately that it feels the same yeah yeah you know um a big change is um groot yeah we are introduced to Baby Groot. I have to say, I have some strong feelings about Baby Groot. Let's talk about the, those strong there's feelings. There's a couple. The okay. first strong feeling is he's the cutest motherfucker uh, ever. Okay. The second strong feeling is I worry that he, the fact that he's the cutest motherfucker is ac- actually detracts from the movie. Like that he's in fact somehow distracting in moments because he's just so cute. Do you think that's a, a real concern? I'd say that I don't. If he, if you ever felt he was distracting in the scene, I would say that I felt like it was intentional, right? To purposefully put Groot in a way that you see him, mm-hmm. and he's being cute. Yeah, you know. I gotta say, the opening of this movie was excellent. I gotta say, 
we got in there, right? Um, and there were so many trailers. Now, I like the trailers. People who go see movies with me know that I'm a stickler for getting there for two reasons. One, seats, mm-hmm. which no one ever believes me. Don't know why. <laughs> but we need to get there for seats. And then two, I want to see the trailers because not for nothing for how much you end up paying for a movie. At the very least, you could watch these mini, right. mini movies before. <clears throat> um, that being said, I felt like there was a crazy amount of trailers before this movie. I don't know if it's because the nature of the movie has other movies that are being advertised that I'd seen trailers for already. Maybe. So maybe that's why it seems so tough. There but really were a lot. It was 25 minutes. Yeah. 20, you when, yeah. when they said, like, you know, feature presentation now, mm-hmm. you looked over me and said, what time is it? Yeah. And it was, like, almost 30 minutes later. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. So. And in that regard, like, what the hell's the point of saying a movie starts at 11? Right. It doesn't. <laughs> I know. Um, so... The intro that introduces Baby Groot is like, I don't know how many other movies could have grabbed me, aside from like Star Wars that I'm already bought into, Right, could have grabbed me after that boring 30-minute Yeah, 30, 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the intro was great. Yeah, the intro was really, yeah. really great. And I think really like, you know, it got us right back into the feel and the mindset of the movie. And I think... Um, we introduced us to all those characters in a way that wasn't boring, but just like a reminder, these are who these people are and how they right. act and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was really quite perfect, I'd, I have to say. Um, and adorable and fun and all that. So, another thing. So, we had talked about it. it was, this is a little bit of pillow talk between Amanda and I that I told, that I told her to shut up about. Oof. So, I want to talk about it here, but um, I think a thing that really makes Guardians fun even if this was a little bit repetitive in relation to the previous one um, is that it really is just a fun movie in a way that sometimes because of the lore of the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe gets bogged down so there are quips for whatever reason everybody in the Avengers is good at one-liners right Um, but it's like they're constantly talking about like the world um in a way that's like very immediate as opposed to Guardians of the Galaxy, spoiler alert, there's an instance where Earth may be destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not on Earth. And when the bad things happen, the good guys don't see those repercussions immediately. Um, so it kind of gives those situations some like freedom, you know? Because otherwise you fall into the typical thing where like, you know, Captain America is going to stand under this thing that's going to crush him to death and Iron Man's going to fly this thing into space even though his suit's not, you know, space capable or whatever, like running through the motions. But Guardians didn't have to or didn't feel like it was going to be bogged down by that, even though sometimes it did run through the motions. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think what was, um, you know, the first one was refreshing because it was different. It had that different vibe, that different feel, that different whatever, je ne sais quoi to it. Um, But... The second one I felt like was refreshing, and maybe this is just because of stuff we've been watching lately, but it was refreshing because it was a sequel in a certain way of like, I didn't have to sit through another story where I got reintroduced to like all these characters and like, I didn't have origin stories and all this whatever. We just jumped in, we knew this gang, they didn't, you know, they in that moment, that opening moment, which I think was so successful, they were able to reintroduce you to these people, remind you of who they were in like a two minute bit and which was the opening credits you know what right. i mean so like just not even wasting any time because right. those credits had to roll anyway right. um you know and then just do the movie right like not sit there and explain to you the million little details of things that you might have forgotten or needed to know or or you know or just being the introduction of characters so but that's really because it's a sequel not because of anything else. right right so that was the, the benefit of having a sequel to this yeah. particular franchise right yeah and i really like i was just so grateful for it because i was like i can't go in and watch another movie about like who is dr strange who is luke cage like whatever we've been watching like i just can't i yeah. mean marvel i would say traditionally is good at speaking about the larger story without reminding you so it's a detriment to someone who ha- isn't on the up and up about it. Right. Um, for example, you and I are watching Luke Cage season one. It's taken us a while, not because we don't want to watch it, just because we've been busy. Um, but there's a character that was just introduced who you don't recognize. Mm-hmm. And he's from Daredevil season two. I know that. Right. But I didn't watch Daredevil season right. two yet. And it, honestly, it's fine. You could have gone through that whole scene without knowing. Right. Maybe it seems weird. That he instantly becomes kind of prominent in the in that scene, right? Um, but it's whatever. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, so Marvel kind of trusts that you or someone you're next to will right. remember that and maybe like bring it up so you appreciate it. Well, but it's okay. I mean, not to talk about Luke Cage, but in the case of that Luke Cage scene, if I didn't know that, it would have been fine. I don't well, think that's it would have felt saying. weird at right. all. So that's what's good about it, you know? Yeah. And that was the thing about Guardians. Like, it just like, it was like, okay, here we well, go. Well, because they mentioned the stuff with the Novas from the first movie. Right. And if you vaguely remember, great. Right. If not, then, oh, it's one of their adventures that they went on. Right. As if it never even happened. And it's totally fine. Right. Um, the... The two big issues that you bring up, the origin story and then the like, the introductory story. Mm-hmm. Marvel has had that problem recently. Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man shouldn't. Right. Right. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. DC had the introduction problem. Yeah. The big complaint about Suicide Squad was the first 40 minutes are two different versions of introductions for the Suicide Squad. Right. There's like the dossier reading mm-hmm. with the clips, and then there's the actual meeting of them. Um, and that, as a viewer, makes you feel as if they're not confident in who they're presenting on screen. Right. They're like, really know <laughs> that the people we're introducing are people you're going to like, you know, that kind of thing. In a way that Marvel sometimes just goes. And it's a bit of a gamble because you like them or you don't like them, but they're, they're hoping that the viewer is more... Astute. Yeah. yeah or something. They, they pick up quicker, you know? Yeah. Well, and I have to say, and I mean, everybody can disagree with me with when I say this, but I think part of the thing that is so great, not to make this super general, but I think part of the thing that's so great about um, comic book movies and comic books and all, all, most nerds shit, to be honest, is like you can fall anywhere on a sliding scale of interest in Captain America, mm-hmm. right? You can know every single detail or you can know pr- practically nothing but just really like those movies, right? you know? And so... The, the problem I have with the DC problem and with Suicide Squad, as your example there, is like, it just doesn't matter who Harley Quinn is. I mean, for that that story, it actually kind of does because her backstory gets told there. But it doesn't matter who Deadshot is. Right. You know what I mean? It just really doesn't matter. We're just here to see this movie and we don't need to know every single detail about Deadshot and all this whatever, you know, to enjoy this movie. Well, it's weird because honestly, DC is the one that did that intro without context, right? The right. Joker just comes. Right. Heath Ledger shows up, he's the Joker, and we're all like done. We're sold. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, they they don't stick with that, and they yeah. continuously keep doing this introduction, which is why it's really a bummer, it and it's it just hard. so unnecessary because I don't need to know the details to enjoy the movie as a person right. who doesn't particularly know every little detail, and you as a person who does know every little detail can enjoy the movie on a different level than me. But we both enjoyed it, so who cares? You right. know, like well, the, and it, like that's I said, a good movie. It's a two way street where it can bite them in the ass twice. Right. Or for you, you don't care. Right. So why sit through all this exposition? Right. And for me, I feel like I really know it. Right. So I feel like they're don't just being me. redundant. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, totally. And it's, it's a tricky balance, but um, you know, uh, DC doesn't do it. Marvel does it. Guardians of the Galaxy too. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the movie a little so, bit more. Um, we can get to our bigger conversation, the movie itself. So some things that stood out. So the intro is great. Introduces yeah. Baby Groot. Really fun scene. You know, the, you got the old retro music going. Mm-hmm. And it's this really interesting thing where what you, you understand is a really intense action sequence is going on. But you're just watching Baby Groot dance, dance and then fight iguanas. Right. <laughs> um, which is awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. It looked great. The brunt of the story is a Star-Lord-centric one, which honestly, most of these movies that are Guardians-specific mm-hmm. probably will be Star-Lord-specific. Makes sense, yeah. Um, but, They've positioned uh, him as the leader. Right. Uh, Though I will say Gamora's story is also pretty big in this one, too. Yeah, which I thought was interesting because you said that immediately after we saw it. Yeah. And I had read articles prior to the movie's release that had said people felt Gamora was underused mm. and that Volume 3 will be much more of a her story. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, but that being said, since you didn't feel that way and you're usually pretty good at picking up when you know, people are kind of there as token characters or whatever, if you didn't feel that way about her, and my brother also did not feel that way. He also yeah. kind of went on about her scenes. Um, so I mean, they must have done something right when they put that movie together. Right. I mean, yeah. without a doubt, Star-Lord's story is the main story of Correct. that. Like, I'm not trying to say right. that her story, it's second. It's definitely secondary. It's it's the B storyline or whatever. Right. But yeah, no, I just thought it was really, I mean, you know, and maybe it's just me, you know, I'm going to just say the dick thing and say, like, it just, like, was really striking because you have these scenes with these two women, these sisters, in the middle of this superhero movie. It's just, like, 
not something we really get. Right. So I'm like, oh, wow, they're really giving a lot of screen time to these two women to deal with their, you know, the, the conflict they have with each other as sisters. Right. You know, um, it's just not something you see in the middle of a superhero movie. It's just not, right. you know. There's only ever one woman, right. so... Well, and I gotta say, too, based on that, um, in a more general sense, I felt like the movie was actually very low in action. Yeah. And not in a bad way. I mean, that also speaks to the quality of it. It was a really interesting movie, despite being a pretty story-based action movie. Um, special guest appearance by my brother's fucking sneezy nose. <laughs> We're doing great. Um, but, you know, you think about the action sequences, the very first one, again, we don't see because it's crew dancing. It's true. Um, there's a bit of a space fight right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really nothing big until a Gamora and Nebula scene where they're yeah, fighting huge. there. I can't remember where the one on the um, with once the crew has mutinied happens. That, I think that happens before the Gamora and Nebula scene that you're talking about. Mm. It doesn't yeah. matter, but well, that whole mutiny scene it, it's before that, right? Because that's how Nebula gets the shit. Right. But that makes that also not action either. Right. Um, it kind of just happens. And then when we come back to that storyline, the the crew has already mutinied, and we see all these dead supporters right. of the captain. Yeah, now. that's true. That's um, true. You know, and again, finally at the end, we get the action, right? Where we're yeah, and the end know. is huge and big, and yeah, it's great. So yeah. it's what you'd expect, but in a lot of these other movies, though, especially like you take um, Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. it's a really fun action movie to me. But there's fighting the whole time. Yeah, there's series you know? of fights. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't like that here, and I thought that was kind of a, a fun choice, also. Yeah, um, the movie looked great. It looked so good. Um, yeah, the first one looked great, and that's part. That's one of the things I wanted to rewatch it for because I was like, I wonder how great it looks three, you know, three years apart. Right, because this one looks so good. Right yeah, there. yeah. But I remember the first one looking really good too. So, well, it's a common uh, criticism of modern movies that they are kind of like oversaturated in a tone. Yeah, you get these really blue or gray or red movies or whatever, right? But Guardians is really vibrant. Right, people have. Neon elements. Um, there's a scene with Michael Roker's Yondu on a planet of villainy and such, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And so there are these, you know, I guess uh, concubine-ish robots who are like this really bright yellow, right? And they're against this super white backdrop of snow, so they stick out a lot, you know. Um, he's bright blue. He has a bright red head thing. His right. fin. Um, so they they really like make really vibrant colors in a way that these other movies tend not to they try to skew more toward like a war look mm-hmm. which is always like grainy and yeah you know grungy so that was also really nice because it's space and aliens yeah i love that, that it's stuff. colorful yeah. yeah i mean um what's what's his dad's name ego ego's planet it was like fucking gorgeous right beyond all reason yeah, yeah. and it, it looked awesome um, yeah it did man what did I feel like we had just seen a CG, like a movie with some CGI in it. It just didn't hold up. I don't know. But this one was not that problem. Right. It just looked really good. Yeah. Um, so, again, full spoiler alert. We find out Star-Lord's father is Ego, played right. by Kurt Russell. Yep. The first time we see Kurt Russell in the movie, however... Um, it's, he's young. I think it's right after the Dan Zane Groot scene. Yep, it's the first scene. Um, right, yeah. and we see young Kurt Russell. He looked yeah. awesome. He did look awesome. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have to say, I'm a really big fan of the film Overboard, uh-huh. which was Kurt Russell in his young days. And right. he really, it looks just like him. Yeah. Just like he yeah. looked then. It's like unreal. Um, and they said it was all, you know, makeup effects and yeah, stuff like that. Kind of smoothing things stuff. out, putting yeah. a wig on. But he looked great. He really did. Um, it was unbelievable. And I think about the two other instances Disney did this. So one that comes to mind is Rogue One. Yep. Where they brought back um, young Leia and then Grand Moff Tarkin, who is no longer alive. I right. Who plays that guy. Um, and then Tron Legacy, they do the same thing with Jeff Bridges. Oh, In I the beginning and then somewhere in the middle, we see like younger Jeff Bridges from when he was back in Tron days. Um, That's cool. But they were heavily CGI'd. Yeah. And they looked great at the time. Yeah. But after seeing Kurt Russell this way, it's tough. Yeah, I, I mean, do think he looked better. But maybe there's also a thing where, like, you have to start with a base visual. Yeah. But maybe he just looks pretty good as an old dude anyways, you know? Yeah, and he does. He does. He right. aged very well, so that's a good point. Um, you know, Buddha bless Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But there's no way they could have got her looking like... 
Oh, absolutely 19-year-old her. You know, no she's way. too old. No way. I, I always felt like, not to, again, totally, we're just off track all, all the time. No, it's great. But um, I, I, I think they should have gotten her daughter and then done the CG right, and prosthetics right, right, off right. of her. I think that would have been really smart in Rogue One. But they, they I thought she looked good at the end of Rogue One, so I've got she no did, She did look good. But when you compare it to the Kurt Russell of yeah, Guardians, that's when you notice it. I agree. But, but to be fair, like when that happened in that movie, I turned to you in Rogue One and I right, was like, yeah. how did they do that? Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> um, they did something similar for Paul Walker also at the end of Fast 7. Mm. Um, they had his brothers stand in for those scenes and because he looks kind of similar, they used some CGI compositing and stuff. And, right. Um, so it's definitely becoming more of a thing now where they do that kind of thing but. it's kind of crazy not to go on a total total tangent but it's kind of crazy it's like when like when will actors just become like obsolete in a certain way or become right. totally cg right. themselves that we don't even recognize what they look like if we saw them on the street and like all this well because you look at a guy like uh, doug jones right he plays, oh yeah uh, i have no idea what that guy looks like right i mean honestly the closest you've probably ever well if you ever watch the guild He's pretty much looking like himself. He's one of the steampunk people. He's oh, the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's probably his most, <laughs> like, yeah, himself. Yeah. But he was the Pan in the Pan's Labyrinth. Yep. He plays Billy What's-His-Face in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, Bill, uh, yeah. his yeah. name is Billy, I think. Billy. Um, he plays Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies, but he's always doing, like, this crazy yeah. thing. Um, so it doesn't really matter what he looks like. Yeah. Because they're heavily overlaying other people on him. Right. Um, David Hyde Pierce did Abe Sapien's voice in the first Hellboy. Doug Jones just took over and did his own voice in the second one. Right. And you could barely tell the difference. Right. So, you know, you get really talented people like that and exactly who needs a... Yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of nuts. So, so I'm less familiar with Ego. Okay. In the comic book world. Good to know. I, I know nothing. I read up after it. Right. So I how, had not heard of him. How was that for you? Because so I find out his actual name in the comics is Ego the Living Planet. Okay. And he doesn't really have a human-sized avatar traditionally. Right, right. Um, he really is a face in a planet. Right. Um, so when you found... I mean, so how, I feel like they did a really good job of explaining him. You meet Kurt Russell. Yep. Who is not on his planet. Right. He's he takes Earth. everybody to his planet. Right. You find out he's... His, he is the planet. His core is within the planet. Right. right? Um, but it never felt like, okay, Star-Lord's dad is a planet that banged his mom. Ugh. Like, they did a good job of, like, not making it feel that way, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But I also really understood it to be, like, that his his humanoidness was nothing like is nothing like right. he's not really a person but he also is really a person but he's a person that he created himself i don't know it's like if you you know not to get like religious or whatever but like some people who have beliefs or whatever about the planet right that the that the earth itself is actually the mother of all life right uh, so if you think of it that way like of course he as a planet created a human life form right you know so he is really human or whatever and he's occupying that thing but i do think of him as a planet I think. You do? Yeah. Not the brain in the planet? Uh, I guess. I mean, I guess I sort of think of him as, like, as, I don't know, nebulous or whatever, not to use Nebula's name here. No, that's <laughs> confusing, fair. Like but, the, like, I don't um, really think of him as having a shape. Like that weird uh, godlike figure from Futurama. Yeah. The Bender's floating around, right? It's kind of like this essence. Yeah. So, um, in the comics, Star-Lord's father is a dude named Jason Sparks or something like that. I okay. Um, he is a king of a race of beings. Okay. Um, and they have like an intergalactic UN, so to speak, right? Um, so Star-Lord is really the prince of this thing. Okay. Similarly, he has to find this out and it's like a whole thing and he's it's constantly It's really different battling. though. I didn't know that. It is different. That's super yeah. different. Um you know, and James Gunn really early, right after Guardians One, said we're not going to do what they do in the comics. Right. Um, but you know, there's a, a bit in the first one. If you remember, he's holding that um, the, the that gem, mm-hmm. like one of the Infinity Stones or whatever. Um, and then all the Guardians have to hold hands together, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't die immediately because of this DNA in him. Gotcha. And really, it could have gone however, right? Right. Because he was just a lowly human. Maybe some other special alien could have done sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um, so it wasn't really clear. And then they go this route where they make him part right. celestial or whatever. And then they did a kind of clever thing, too, because by the end of it, when they resolve the whole thing, it's explained explicitly that by stopping the bad guy, 
um, he will no longer have that ability. Right. Him. Which I have to say, I'm really glad for because, like, when when that was all first introduced as him being like the son of this person and he has this power and we see him with the glowing orb and all that stuff, I'm like, well, what the fuck? This guy's just becoming like Thor, right? right? Like he right. is a god now, also, and that takes away all the charm of of Star Lord, I think. So I'm just like, I don't need to watch another movie about a fucking Superman who can't be killed and shit. You know, right. like I just like, so I was like, this could be a real bummer. So I, I was glad when that all got settled, like he's just himself again. You know? And he only uses it to fight the other being. Absolutely. That could take right. him on in that exactly. Form, yeah. yeah. Um, so Yondu is really important to the story. Yeah. Mm, as important probably as the first one, honestly. Yeah. It ends differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it's a similar role where like he's the he's the the everyday father figure, mm-hmm. and there's this pipe dream of a better father figure in the distance, and you know it's hard to face Yondu because he's this pointy teethed blue man who kills people, right? Um, do you feel like he redeems himself in this movie, Yondu? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I um, I mean, obviously Yondu's like a complicated character or complicated guy or whatever but i never really think of him as a bad guy right you know like like from the start you know he's like nathan drake nathan drake's a better guy than yondu sure but nate kills a lot of people yeah i guess but we don't hold that against nate because that's like a hero trope or whatever but that's the thing though like if on paper if we just listed deeds right um, it'd probably be similar. Yeah. But in the way we're introduced to them, we know yeah. Yondu is considered bad. Right. And we know Nathan's considered good. Yeah. Um, yeah, because what's interesting, too, is so Sylvester Stallone's in this movie for four seconds. Yeah. Um, just like he's in Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix. Yeah. Um, for four seconds. Yeah. We and, love um, Ultimate Beastmaster. We should, a, we, should oh we should do a podcast episode. Oh, my God. We should do a whole podcast about it. We should do, <laughs> we should do like, a, like us watching it, like live commentary. And then we do yeah. the Terry Crews commentary. <laughs> yeah. So oh, good. no, the beast blood. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we find out for the first time in this movie that the Ravagers are a larger organization. Right. And that Yondu's group of them have actually been exiled from the main mm-hmm. uh, entity, which is we didn't know before. Right. We also find out that um, the reason for his exile is for, I mean, I'm pretty sure they say child trafficking specifically. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And we were just kind of left with that information for a long while. Right. For most of the movie. Yep. And then finally Yondu comes back and we find out that the child trafficking is actually because he was unwittingly or purposefully turning a blind eye to this scheme by Ego, who is... Surprise, surprise, the bad guy in the movie. Right. Yeah, um, no surprise there. Right. <laughs> and so we duh. find out. Let's on, not put the duh yeah. in dumb. <laughs> so so he was just bringing kids. So well, I, so we don't need to go over the whole plot. But basically there's a bunch of kids that Ego has with different alien species. Yondu's job had been to bring those kids to Ego so he could fulfill his bad guy plan. Right. Um, at some point, Yandu figures out that Ego's just been killing off those kids when he finds them not useful. Right. And that's why he kept, uh, kept Star-Lord. Peter, right. Yeah. Um, so, but it's coincidence because, well, one, it's Star-Lord, right? Right. Who knows if those other characters would have had as interesting personalities so as to lead the group um, or even live with the Ravagers for as long as Peter ends up living there. Right. But two... Um, we find out Peter is the only one to have this celestial genes inside of him. All the other ones didn't. That's why they were killed. Right. Let me ask you this, also from Futurama. Okay. And I don't know if you've gone this far yet. No. But there's an episode where Leela, Taronga Leela... Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's a party foul. Everybody, please... My bad, my bad. Tweet at Broken Jars on Twitter. Let us know if this is terrible. Okay, sorry, Leela. Uh, Taronga Leela meets another one-eyed man on the internet. Oh, I have seen that one. Right, and then by the end of that episode, we find out he just morphs into all these other aliens. We, I was thinking that about Ego. Yeah. Because they do uh, like a story time. I mean, he's disgusting, time. right? Like, that's horrible. Right, yeah. for, for what he's doing, right? His, his, um, his intentions for all that. But the way they tell the story, it's just a bunch of young Kurt Russells banging a bunch of aliens, like Captain Kirk. Right. I wondered, though, if... Ego had other alien forms. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good question. Because it might be easier. You know? Yeah, I would guess in theory he would 
want to look like whatever the hottest possible right. guy exactly. to that species would be. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. But, just worth thinking about. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. We just see him looking like Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I feel like you have to go through a lot. First, yeah. you have to explain that you're a human, but you're a celestial. Then right. Or whatever. Um, Ugh, so scummy. Yucky. Mad banging. Um, we're introduced to a new character in this movie who presumably is going to be part of the group whose name is Mantis. Yeah. Right? So it's this... Uh, <laughs> All those bits with her and um, Drax. and Drax were so funny. So, yeah. Cause, so Mantis is this woman who's got these feelers on top of her head and she ha- has like em- empathetic, empathetic powers. Empath- empathic. Empathic powers. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so she can sense people's emotions, mm-hmm. specifically when she touches them, and she can actually kind of push onto them her, her own feelings yeah. or whatever. Um, so she's kept around for Ego to help him sleep. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so she ends up being kind of this socially unaware person who's only had this one purpose, and then we meet Drax, who is this socially unaware person person who has one purpose right (laughs) um one is for feeling one is for murder right um so yeah they have some really great interactions between them they do um a great running joke is drax calling her hideous yeah um and you don't for me i felt like i don't know if he really feels that way i think until the end yeah and then very during the ending and there's like pretty fireworks or whatever and he says something he's like um she says it's beautiful and he goes you're beautiful and then pause, and he goes on the inside. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's when yeah. I got it. But I wasn't sure the whole movie. I thought maybe he was trying to be a tough guy. No, but no. no. <laughs> he really felt that way. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, she's not a bad character. I mean, she doesn't do much. She doesn't do much. In terms of, like, everybody else is a hero, right? Right. Rockets on a rocket and uh, shooting people, and even Baby Groot can, like, take some people down. Uh, she doesn't seem like she'll be participating in that. Yeah, I don't think so. In the comics, she was like a kung fu person. Also. Oh, okay. Like she could fight on her own. Gotcha. Um, so they went a different way, but that's okay. I mean, how many? people Well, do and she might get there. I don't know. Like right. maybe this is her, like sort of the beginning of her. Yeah. You know, she yeah. right now she's just figuring out the difference between right and wrong. So like, right. You know. Did you like? Did you like her though? Yeah, I I don't have any strong feelings about her. I didn't dislike her, right. but it, I, you know, I'm not here to say like, wow, what a great character. You know. Nah, well, that's not what I have to say. Okay. I feel fine about her. That sounds great. Um, I thought the woman was good. Mm-hmm. She was real cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see more Nebula. Yeah. Gamora's sister. Uh, what do you think of her? I like Nebly. Nebula. Nebly? Nebly. <laughs> we little Nebly. <laughs> we little Nebly. Yeah, I like Nebula. I think she's a badass. Yeah. So that's, it's just cool to see a, a woman be, you know, just badass like that. Yeah. And obviously Gamora's a badass. I get it, but like... But like Gamora has like more. And we have two badasses, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's kind just of like, fun to see just and I just think she looks shit. cool on a really like she looks surface great, level. Right? I think she looks really like cool. The, the paint is and all that stuff. Yeah, and she's she pretty her body up. Yeah, and it's just a great story. You know, it's it's not that dissimilar to um, Black Widow's story in a certain way of like this horrible, you know, this horrible upbringing that the two of them right. had, where they fought and were trained to fight each other and all this stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a sister story for sure of of like i mean everybody has their body parts replaced by their dad (laughs) but like you know that like you really resent the other one because you feel like more anger from your parents your shitty parent got taken out on you because of the other one and this sort of thing you know so um yeah i just i think it's a really good powerful story i was glad to see it there and i'm you know and i was glad to see nebula come through in the end you know like she does have some amount of morality also. Right. Or at least she cares enough about Gamora. Because it's not 100% clear in the first one why Nebula hates Gamora. It is not. If anything, it almost feels like it's because Thanos told her to. Yeah, it's like Gamora. no reason. Yeah. yeah, it's Which is fine. Again, yeah. it's as much reason as anything. Sure. Um, but this one, it kind of comes out more that there's more deep-rooted kind yeah. of emotional things that can be worked on. Right. It's also not some blind hatred. It's yeah. because you were a dickbag Gamora. Right. Um Right, and as you said, she does kind of like seeing this group work together and then seeing Gamora do these things where she steps up or whatever, you know, I guess there's something inside Nebula. She still ultimately leaves. Yeah, um, to go kill Thanos. Right. But that's like a noble mission, right? Like, you know. 
Yeah, it's like theoretically noble. Yeah, um, noble. I don't know what the expression would be in this instance, but obviously it's it's good for everybody else. Yeah, but she's doing it for her. Sure, sure, right, sure. Right, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. coincidentally noble. Yeah, I mean, but it's still noble because she's trying to get retribution. Well, I guess retribution's never noble, but right. she's trying to get retribution on a person who actually did do her harm, right. her right, and right, Gamora right. harm. Right. So, right. you know, you, we don't feel too bad for him. Yeah. You know, that's so. true. Um, it's like it's like enough, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's like yeah. this guy like fucking tore this woman apart, and then she just kicks the shit out of him. Like, yeah, that's the best story. Right. Hopefully but, that's how that goes. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nebula's probably gonna be dead. I don't. I don't know. No, Joss is not responsible for the next two Avenger movies. Yeah, no. Uh, it's um, it's the guys who did Winter Soldier. Right, which was a great movie. So hopefully, it, yeah, it'll be I, fine. I have. Uh, High hopes for him. Russo Brothers, that's who it is, the Russo yeah. Brothers. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, what else What else is worth talking about here? I mean, so, I mean, so, I mean, I guess we could just finish off Yondu's arc, right? Yeah. yeah. So we figure out, not we figure out, but Peter comes to this realization that everybody in the theater already knew that <laughs> Yondu was basically Peter's father and not he in was a biological a- sense, but in the actual sense of raising him and teaching him is. You know, morals and skills and all that jazz, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that he was a good father. Because that's the other thing, too. I think that's kind of important. Like, he he resents how Yandu treated him. And I think he realizes that, like, he really wasn't so bad. I yeah. mean, maybe a good father is a stretch. Well, but. It, yeah, because, I mean, I feel like we do see a flashback of those memories. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that those were cherry-picked, just like the bad memories were cherry-picked. Sure. You know? So overall, it's probably not great. But still, like, you know, that Yandu did his best, like, he didn't want, he didn't ask to be a father to this kid, and he really tried to step up and be like, no, this kid needs something, and so I'll do it, even though I'm not really equipped to be the best father here, you know, so I think he really respects him at the end of the day, I guess. For sure, right. Well, and then also, too, like, Yandu's there in the middle of this shit, um, Partially to redeem himself, but also to be like to be there for this kid, right? Who he feels he owes to be there for, right? Um, Sacrifices himself so that right. Peter Mary can Poppins, live. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So yeah, so Yandu ends up not making it. Um, it's one of those uh, situations where the battle's over, mm-hmm. but Yandu is able to get Star Lord out of there by sacrificing himself to give Star Lord the equipment needed to survive in the middle of space. Yep. Um, and he gets like this, uh, you know, Wrath of Khan. What the hell is uh, this? that guy's name, the Vulcan's name? Spock. Spock. Spock-like uh, funeral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's put yeah. on a slate. Right. He's got all of his medals and trinkets. The trinkets is what got me. Yeah. Honestly, you know, it's like when you're respecting him as a warrior, but then you put the toys on there and then you're yeah. respecting him as the man, you know. That was yeah, tough. yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother cried so I, much. Saw it twice. He cried. He did a great job to get you to that. Point. Absolutely. So they did a great job and then Yondu goes into this incinerator and he's got sparks coming out of the side of the ship. Uh, this character we didn't talk about who's like in the first one and he's this oddly present character who no one really brings up. Named the, oh man, I forgot his name, the Kraglin, mm. um, who's basically Yondu's number two. Right. Right. So he has this instance where there's this mutiny happening earlier in the movie. He doesn't quite stand up. He's actually almost accidentally. He, he accidentally starts the mutiny. He starts this mutiny. Yeah. Right. Um, but when he sees the bad shit that's happening by the people who took over, he changes his mind, obviously. He probably changed his mind before that, but there's also a point where you know you're just going to get murdered, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but he helps Yondu get out. And. Because of this number two relationship, I think we perceive it as also a father son. Fathery, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because he gets to keep the uh, arrow and the fin. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the Kraglin's in this a lot more. He does this, he's manning the ship in space while everybody's on the planet. Yep. Um, he helps get them out of there, and then he's got a nice little scene with Star Lord where, you know, Peter understands also that obviously this guy Mental is feeling, right? Yeah. So he gives him the arrow. Yeah. Um, and then we see at the end of this one in one of the stinger things, uh, mm-hmm. he's got the fin on and he's trying yeah. to use the arrow. He stabs Drax in the chest. So <laughs> good. So great. But, yeah. um, and I also read that he's supposed to be in the next one. That's also, exciting. But, I, yeah, I really liked him. I don't remember him from the first movie. Yeah. Or again, I didn't, he's so. like he's just in the he's like the guy who's right behind Yondu all the time. Right. And that's about all he brought to it. Right. 
Um, yeah, so it, it was nice to see him. I liked him. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, James Gunn directed this movie. Mm-hmm. That's his brother. Oh, I didn't know that. And he did all the motion capture for Rocket. Wow. In both movies. Good for him. Yeah, so that's what he does. That's cool. Um, so it's, it'll be cool to get him a little bit more up front. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, anything else? I mean, we'll t- we could talk about the Stinger endings. Or you have anything else you want to bring up about the movie? Uh, we could talk about the Stinger endings, but then I don't know if you want to get back to the larger conversation we started earlier about... Um, you know, this movie versus others and all that. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do that. But, the stinger endings are quick. Okay. So we'll finish with that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, the biggest thing to me is just this um, this weight that all the other movies carry because, you know, Thor Ragnarok's coming out, but it's got Hulk in it. Right. Hulk was reintroduced to everybody in Avengers, and Avengers couldn't have been anything without Iron Man. So there's this, like, legacy of, like, everything has to be so tightly connected. Right. Um, but... Guardians doesn't have that. They're light years away from Earth. Um, right. Star-Lord has no intention of going back. Right. No one on Earth knows they exist. Yep. And the only parallel with the main storyline is Thanos himself, who is actually right. closer in relation to Guardians because only the gems have hit the other parts of the world, right? Yep. Uh, so because of that, I don't know. Again, there's just like this nice lightness that... The other movies sometimes just can't because even though Tony is stuck in a barn with some kid because his suit doesn't work, there's still this weight of like the universe is around him, you know. Yeah. Um, but the Guardians don't have that, and it's kind of nice to watch that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the point when we were talking about this the other day, the the point I made was like, it's just like a really like even Guardians two separate from the first Guardians, it's just like a really enjoyable movie that anybody could just walk in and enjoy and watch and what? not have like a whole bunch of like weight on them to like they feel like they don't know what's happening you know um but my mom's friend who's you know she's 50 years old she's a mom she doesn't know anything about superheroes or comic books she really liked the first guardians of the galaxy a lot like it's just a really enjoyable movie she doesn't have to know right you know and i i think she hasn't seen it yet but i think she'll enjoy guardians too as well and it's just i don't know it's just nice because getting bogged down and all that stuff, it's a little bit like what we've talked about before on, on other episodes about when you walk into a comic book store or you walk into a board game shop right, or a video like, game store that there's like, you feel like you don't know enough and there's like a pretentiousness about the people who work right. there that you, or you worry there will be a pretentiousness about the people who work there if you ask for right. something that you think might be stupid. You know, you go into a, a vintage, this like super cool board game shop, right? And you walk in there and you're like, I want Settlers of Catan, you right, know, right, like, right. It, which is like, worry somebody's gonna judge you even right. though they're so like oh you don't have it already or whatever so yeah right or like yeah that's just like such a starter game or whatever you know um yeah i think uh we had we had talked about this also separately outside of the show but um part of me feels that it's a hard balance right because people have wanted these movies to exist for a long time now that they're happening i'm glad that they're taking them seriously but we're also at a place in the run of these movies where sometimes it's a lot, right? Um, so it's a tricky balance because I don't want them to come up with like this crazy Dukes of Hazard Captain America movie because that's not what he's about, right? right? He has to be more serious and all that kind of stuff. But Guardians can be that, and I'm glad they're taking that opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, Batman vs Superman, too serious, right? You know, uh, and they're like they're going too hard to be like this is awesome because like we decide that, right? Right. But they're just like presenting it as this is awesome and like it, no one's buying it, right? Yeah, right. Um, that's what happened with Suicide Squad. Great yep. trailer, but you watch the movie and it's all like, honestly, I walked away from the movie and it was fine. yeah, fine. We felt fine yeah, about it. But yeah, I don't know, just. Um, you know, actions speak louder than words. Make the good movie. Don't right. say that this movie is good. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And, you know, we disagreed pretty strongly about this, but that's how I felt about Logan, too. Right. I felt like it was a movie that you could just walk into and not need to know things and just, like, understand what's happening here, the dynamics that are at play with these characters and these right. types of people. And, you know, all of the... Um, sci-fi fantasy, comic book, whatever of it all is, is almost incidental. At the same time it doesn't cheapen all of that stuff for the people who are there for the that reason. The story stuff, You know what right? I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where we disagreed on Logan because I think you did feel like that movie cheapened the quality of the 
of you being the person who does know about old man Logan and all these things, you felt like you had a less good experience um, than the person who just walked in and right. was like, oh, that's a really good film, a well-crafted film, you know? Um, so that's what I think is so great about Guardians because I think it just, like, it hits that, it hits it so perfectly, you know? Right. Really, like, you know, can capture a lot of people who might not be captured by this stuff. Right. And it can capture all the people who really are. That said, obviously you're not as much of a Guardians comic book reader, so I would wonder if somebody is a really big Star-Lord fan, if they're really mad over this ego thing that I didn't even know about before we got to this conversation, you right. know? Right, right, So I wonder if other people have, have differing opinions on that. Yeah, I mean, well, for one for sure, because that's just kind of the nature, sure. especially this kind of thing, when someone has to make a creative choice for whatever. Right. Um, to, to touch on the Logan thing, like, I wanted... To like that movie for all the reasons you do like that movie. Right. Um, and for me, it just didn't all click. Yeah. There's a storyline in the Marvel Universe that I think would be cool for them to make, but they never will. Um, where basically Bucky goes on trial for the crimes he committed when he was Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like way later. Bucky's been a good guy for a long time. He was even Captain America for a stretch. And eventually they're like, hey, you need to turn yourself in because of this thing. And he does. Right. So it's this comic book run where he's on trial and it's just a courtroom procedural. Yeah. Um, And that's great because it's a real story with this incidental superhero bullshit. Right. Um, So I do appreciate those stories, but for Logan, it didn't work out. Right. My concern about giving... Well, they didn't hit it, right? They didn't do the thing that Guardians does so well of being able to, like, please both people at the same time. And it's not an easy task, so I think it's really commendable. It's really something to note about about the movie. Well, and to say this about Guardians, though, my only reason to not give it as much props as you're saying is because it's still sci-fi. Right. You know? It still does the the spaceship battles and the aliens and things like that. So sure. sure, it's not adhering to the comic book to like a T, but it's got enough fantastical elements for you to still like not forget that you're in this like wackadoo world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and good, good or bad, good or bad, I yeah, know, yeah, doesn't matter. But it's harder, you know, because uh, sure. there is no incidentalness in it. Sure, you yeah. can't ignore the fact that Drax is a big. Oh, green absolutely, man, absolutely. But again, I think it's okay. I think the point is like somebody could just walk into that movie and follow it and not feel left out about it. I right. feel like is yeah, is really more true. what I'm saying. Right. Like obviously, they'd have to like be willing to, you know. My dad, I've told I've told this story to Jerry a million times, but it's just so funny. It's worth telling. My dad really does not like sci-fi or right. fantasy stuff at all. And he loves an action movie, but like not if it has any any sort of any supernatural elements, yeah. like nothing, none of it. So I watched. I was watching a New Hope one time, and he sat down and watched it with me for whatever reason. I wish he didn't, but he did, and he said nothing throughout the entire movie, not one word. And at the end of it, he turned to me and he just said, "I have no idea what just happened." And I was like, "Dad, two year olds know what happened, so right. like that's that's a you problem. Right. It's not a Star Wars problem." But um, but I think that's my point, though. It's like right. that somebody could walk in, and again, they have to be invested enough. They can't be my dad trying to like ignore all the things right. that are clearly obvious because he's too bored by the whole thing to yeah. even pay attention. Right. Um, but uh, I, that's what I think about Guardians. I just feel like you could just walk in, you could just enjoy it. I almost feel like my dad would enjoy it, yeah. but he probably wouldn't. But right. you know, there's a, you know there's a chance. <laughs> If you could just get past all that stuff. Yeah. You know. Well, they do really great things. I mean, there's, um, so you had said Gamora and Nebula are kind of like a B storyline. There's a couple B storylines, though. Right. Because Rocket's going through this thing. Yeah, right. We didn't even talk yeah. about any of that, which I think is all really interesting, too. Of right. Like, so for whatever how reason, that relates to the Yondu storyline is like so perfect. It works out so well, that's nicely. the thing, right. Because then you end up finding out that Rocket and Yondu see themselves as these parallel characters that have right. gone through similar problems, right? Right. Um, but, uh, Gamora has her thing, Star Lord has his thing, and then Drax, I felt to probably the least amount of story, though he has this story going on with Mantis where, like, yep. these two people who just don't get it are trying to get it. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. They did a great job of, like, really separate, still giving all the characters their due in a way that movies like Suicide Squad, which is, like, the obvious comparison, um, didn't. Because right. you look at a character like Diablo, who is the big fire guy, yeah. and you still don't know what his deal was. Right. You know, they give you a Deadshot's little daughter thing. And, you know, yeah, you Deadshot's even Quinn worse. Thing. Diablo, I feel like you get that story when they're in the bar. And, and I mean, it's not enough, but it's something. Yeah, but Deadshot's like thing is like so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, right, it's right. tough. 
Right, and because it's not enough. No, those characters all deserved better. And the problem with so the, maybe Harley Quinn. I feel like they kind of they, they did, did that. and that's they the problem. Okay. Was like they put everything toward her. Yeah. At that point, just make the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, right. Because the problem with Deadshot, and again, not to go off on a tangent, but that's what we're doing. Tangents um, <laughs> is like Deadshot's like this ruthless mercenary. Right. Giving him a child humanizes him in a way that he doesn't need to be humanized the first time you see him. Right. You know that should be like the third movie twist. Yeah. This whole time he's been a loving dad, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was weird. But they don't do that in Guardians necessarily because you meet them in prison, right? Right. Star Lord runs into Gamora. They get arrested. They meet Drax, Rocket, and uh, Groot. Yep. They all escape prison and coincident or incidentally rather, they're together. And they end up in these crazy adventures, and by the end of the movie, they're like, let's just keep doing this. Right. Um, so this one, we just assume that's how they got together, and they're still doing it, and they still have some of their oddities where they're mm-hmm. not getting it. And they do a really good job kind of doing that, as opposed to Avengers. Yep. Theoretically, the same story. But it's just bogged down in so much, like, the lore again, you know? Um, what do you call it? Uh, you have to watch... Iron Man 1 and 2 before the first Avengers. Yep. You don't have to, but you should. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, similarly, you need to watch Thor before you watch Avengers. Yep. Otherwise, who the hell's Loki? Right. Right? Why is he coming out of this portal? Why does he look so tired? Yeah. Um, so there's why does he of, look so tired? Yeah, you know, because like, why does he just look like this cool bad guy? But right. no, he comes out like he just got socked in the nuts for 500 years. Yeah. Um, and then same thing with Ultron, too. There's like... There's just stuff. You have to watch the other movies until you watch that movie, and then that movie makes more sense. Right. Because of that, those movies suffer because there's no story to them. Right. They're like, hey, you watched five movies. Now watch those five people fight next to each other. Right. Um, Guardians, again, not like that because they give you that story, and then they all fight together. Yep. So it's just got a lot going for it. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen moving forward when they're introduced into the Avengers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can talk about this too, but this is probably a separate conversation. But like, I just, I still don't understand how any of that's going to work. By the time everybody gets in and says like one fucking line, the movie will be over. Right. So I just like, I just don't even, I can't even fathom it. But I will be interested to see in how they attempt it. It seems like a very um, large challenge. So we'll see. Yeah, so it's it's two movies announced. They were originally pitched as Infinity Wars 1 and 2. Right. Uh, now they're not. Now they're, people keep trying to say they're separate movies. Okay. Um, but they go off each other in such a way, right? Um, because I don't think the first one ends and then the second one immediately happens. I see. It's the first one ends, but the events of the first one immediately inform Effect, right. Right, what happens in the second one. Got it, okay. So I don't know how much time will be done, whatever. Um, but uh, we know Thanos is involved because it's the Infinity Gauntlet and that's Thanos' whole thing. Yep. We also know the MacGuffin in all these stories has been these gems, which create the gauntlet. Right. Um, so Guardians will definitely be there because... Well, and like Nebula the will clearly be there right. trying to kill Thanos or whatever. So, uh, but yeah, you raise a good point. Obviously, and like, who who gets what? How are they going to talk? I just like I can't even fathom the writing of it. It's just there's so many people you're trying to right. include here that just just seems like an impossible task. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. They did it in Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> you know, good point. Um, but that, but that's exactly what it's going to be. Is that all these other stories ramping up to those movies are going to be heavy in their involvement right. in it, and then they'll just nix all that story when the movie comes out because it'll just be them punching. Right. And they did this thing in Guardians Two that I really recognize from the Avengers movies of like that sweeping single shot of everybody fighting. Yeah. Right. Like Cap throws his shield. We follow the shield, and it hits this guy and then behind the guy we see Hawkeye doing a thing who shoots right. an arrow and it follows there and the same thing happens in Guardians right Right. people are weaving in and out or whatever yeah it's awesome um, so I feel like we're that that's what these movies are going to be moving forward it's just going to be in two hours and 15 minutes of I these know. sweeping single it's shots so true yeah of like check it out how's this going to go yeah um, I mean it'll look dope it'll look dope <laughs> yeah I don't know um, anyway that's a conversation for another day yeah but these movies just do a great job James Gunn does a great job it's, yeah. it's really great when you have the director who also helps write the script I think in these contexts because there's such specific 
view, visions of it, you know? Yep. Yeah, um, I agree. So it really kind of came all together in a, in a really great way. And he is involved in the third one, which is good. Yay. So, um, so we got that going. Music wasn't as good. Yeah, less memorable. Less memorable. Um, side note, Amanda bought me the cassette of Awesome X Volume 1, and we listened to it today while we played Rocket League. It was awesome. Side note of the side note, not all of that music is great background music for Rocket League. <laughs> um, all right, anything else before I just kind of run through these uh, stinger scenes? No, I don't think I do have anything else. Yeah. I mean, we loved it. it. Yeah, we did. We really, I really liked I, it. I, w- I would see it again in theaters. I, I would. will wait until it comes out on Blu-ray, though. Yeah. I'm excited to watch the first one again. Me too. And um, honestly, these are the funnest movies I watch. Yeah. Out of all of them. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. the only thing that even comes close in terms of my liking of it, and it, and it's fun in a very different way, is Deadpool. Right. Um, and it's just it's a it's a very different kind of fun. Yeah. So yeah. it's you know I think of them as separate. Not I don't think of them together. I do hope for the third one, the story changes up a bit. Yeah. You know, I, I think it was the revisit, like you said, is good. Yeah, it was in okay. This context, it was in fine. this context, it was fine. Um, yeah, but this it won't next be one okay. Really has to be different. Has to be different. I agree. Yeah. Like so, my problem with Logan would be my problem with a third one of this is like I don't want to see the same bickering because we just solved it right right the whole team just came together right um, and I understand the the things that make everybody kind of bump heads that's fun right but that can't be the crux of that movie I agree because that was the crux of these two movies yeah mm-hmm. so that's where I'm at okay scene number one so this movie has a ridiculous amount of fucking yeah, it was crazy. Like five, That's really right? crazy. Um, and I guess we could debate if we want to call them all stingers. Sure. But um, they all happen after the end of the movie. Right, yeah. So there's that. Uh, first scene, Craglin learning to use Yondu's arrow. That's the first one? That's the first one. Yeah. So adorable. Uh, and hilarious. The Craglin's got uh, the fin on and he's whistling and trying to figure out the arrow. Eventually he gets it flying, it turns a corner sharp, it hits Drax in the chest. Hilarious. Craglin just kinda Whistles away. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Backs away slowly. No big meaning for that, although it could be alluding to his potential involvement in the next Guardians movie as a member, maybe. Right, absolutely. Um, oh yeah, God. more just like a follow-up. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, scene number two. Stallone's original Guardians. So, oh, yeah. So Sylvester Stallone played this character named Stockar Oggard? Ogord? Something okay. like that. Okay. Um, in the comics, the character's name is Starhawk. Okay. Um, who is a leader of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Yondu is from that original lineup. And this whole lineup is un- is only connected in name to the current Guardians of the Galaxy. Got it. Um, I think the story is that the current Guardians of the Galaxy were inspired to name themselves that after these I group. see. Yeah. That makes sense. So we got uh, Starhawk, played by Sylvester Stallone. We see... Charlie 27, played by Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. who was supposed to be like this big robot guy. He looked really big. I thought maybe he was fat, because mm. Ving Rhames kind of is a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, but apparently he was beefy because of his roboticness. Got it. Uh, then we see the female Starhawk, played by Michelle Yao. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know her. No. But she's great. I love her. Oh, She's in a Jackie Chan movie called Super Cop. Okay. Uh, where she plays like a government police officer who is supposed to be monitoring Jackie Chan's crazier street level cop. Uh, she's also the female lead in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's actually like... She was made up a little in this movie. I didn't recognize her. Yeah, yeah she was yeah. all medusa out. Also, Crouching Tiger was... 30 years ago. ago. Not 30 20. years ago. 20? Don't make me no. sound so old. I saw it. My 15. brother saw it in theaters, so it had to be... Okay. Before it was like 99 years. or something. Um, fun fact about Michelle. She was like a classically trained dancer. Oh. And like Amy Jo Hart from Power Rangers, they were like, oh, dancing, karate, same thing. Makes sense. That's how they picked it up. That's pretty cool. Um, we also see Kruger, who I think is the crystal guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, a head robot. You remember the head robot? Oh, yeah, yeah. Voiced by Miley Cyrus. No way. That's who it was. That's crazy. Um, so That's so random It's really weird. random. Yeah. So, I mean, that scene just like is a fun little thing where like, you know. Fun not, for the people who get it. Right. So, yep. Yondu did this thing, but it's too bad we miss him. But that's inspired us to get back together. Right. Um, could mean something. It'd be interesting maybe if. The, this group of people run into the Guardians in the third movie. Sure, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a whole thing. But right. just to know they're out there is fun. 
um, I looked extensively. Amanda was under the impression that there was a line that was said because mm-hmm. Yondu didn't do something, something like that, right? Right. I've looked a lot. I couldn't find it. Yeah, I can't remember what I was uh, going on about that day. But we'll be sure to update everybody when it comes <laughs> out on Blu-ray. Scene number three, Adam Warlock. So, there are these uh, gold people that we meet in the beginning of the movie. Oh, right, right, That right. are the Sovereign. Yeah. Um, I hated them, by the way. I mean, they weren't good guys. Yeah, I guess yeah, I just hated them. They were, like, pretty much instantly bad. Yeah. Although that one lady was going to bone Star-Lord. Ugh. You didn't like it? Okay. Nah. All right. That's fine. Um, so, the Sovereign have been, like, kind of... They got shit on this whole movie. So, uh, to rebel, the leader, whose name I can't find on this page, uh, created a new being who she named Adam. Uh, right. Adam Warlock has a history with the Guardians. He is a space being, that kind of thing, also. Um, he has a lot of different storylines where he's like, Jesus. Okay. Like, I think there's a storyline where he literally goes to a parallel dimension to Earth. And does the Jesus thing. Okay, weird. Yeah. Um, you know, it was during a certain time back in the 70s where things were trippy and all that kind of sure. shit. Sure. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, basically. So, um, but he's like very powerful. I think when you look at those like nonsensical Marvel power rating things, he's often one of the higher people. I see. Um, and he's also kind of like a Superman-ish thing. He's just kind of like this super strong being for some reason. But... He was supposed to be in this movie. Oh. And he wasn't. So presumably he could have a bigger part in the next one. So, but he's a villain? He's like a enemy for the Guardians? Kind of goes back and forth. He had, gotcha. At his heart, he's traditionally a good guy. Okay. But because of these weird power things that he's got or people take advantage of him or whatever. I see. He's okay. a bad guy, yeah. Um, so those were the two big important ones is the, um, the, Guardian, the original Guardians one and the Adam one. The right. rest are fine. I think the last two here are um, Teenage Groot. Hilarious. Yeah, that was very right? funny. Yeah. We see like a regular human-sized Groot. He's got leaves everywhere and he's playing some yeah, game like on mess. a tech yeah, thing. Yeah, right, yeah. Star-Lord like gives Xbox him the business. Yeah. yeah, and that's pretty great. Yeah, it was funny. The last one are the Watchers have enough of Stan Lee. So, oh, yeah, that was good too. There's a fan theory Oh. that Stan Lee is the same person in all of the movies he's appeared in. Oh. That he... <laughs> was poisoned in the Incredible Hulk from drinking some weird South American soda. Mm-hmm. That he's worked as a mailman watching Spider-Man and the Lizard fight past them and right. all that kind of shit. Um, so what we see here is not really confirmation, but kind of playing with that idea. Right. So he's talking to the Watchers, who are these beings that just watch. But their goal is to um, kind of log all of history across the board, um, but never intervene. A couple times they have, and not directly. Like, they'll say, hey, this thing's, like, really fucked up. Like, you should go. Right. So, Stanley's talking to them, and, you know, he's, like, an agent of the Watchers or something fun like that. I don't know, but it's kind of, like, a fun, like, nod to, like, hey, Stanley has been all of these characters. Right. For yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. So, it's kind of cool. Wait, is that, that, was that his only appearance in this movie? Yeah, but he did it twice. Um, oh, when, yeah, When yeah. Rocket and Yondu and That's Crag, right. Craglin are... Jettison. That's right. Yeah, we see him. That's right. And then they're at the end, but then the Watchers like leave him, right. even though Stanley's still talking. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Um, yeah. So those are the endings. Again, nothing really hinting toward any of the non-Guardians movies. They're yep. all Guardian-specific stuff. But. Yep. All right. Um, any other thoughts? No, I don't think so. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Yeah, definitely. We highly recommend. 10 out of 10 would see again. That's it. Um, as always, uh, check out BrokenJars.xyz to check out other fun shows, including Great Scott, The Office Podcast. Um, check us out on Tumblr at d2ga.tumblr.com. On Twitter at DangerAlonePod. Check out all the Broken Jars stuff at Broken Jars on Twitter, at Broken Jars Broadcasting on Instagram, and BrokenJarsBroadcasting at gmail.com if you want to send us some inquiries. Yeah. Uh, That's about it. Thanks a lot for uh, tuning in, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.